The Fever have two, by the way. I know they do. Fever Ignite. Which is... <laughs> it makes sense because they're the G League. In the 2008 WNBA Draft, the Los Angeles Sparks select Candace Parker. With the first pick in the 2011 WNBA Draft, the Minnesota Lynx select Maya Moore from the University of Connecticut. Her bi-weekly WNBA podcast brought to you by Sports Ethos and Outlet Pass. My name is Corey. I've got Bailey with me. Got Carissa back in the fold. Bailey, how's it going? It's going. You know, just grinding, chilling. Following Carissa, the preseason games to the best of my ability. Yeah, I feel like that's a, an endeavor in and of itself at this point. I, I don't know if you get any extra because you're in a local market. I don't. I don't know how that is. I've only seen how it is for people streaming but do you even have access to like the dream games so being a season ticket holder i had it i could have gone to the to the game um they did have access and so i think some other teams did that as well but i didn't make it up there because i had plans that day so you know that's the only reason why i didn't go i could have gone but i i didn't get anything beyond that that i would consider special yeah, yeah, well, I feel like I don't know. I don't get into preseason any sport, but like I am excited for what's to come. So it's it's good to see it back. I, I'm not going to be like terribly locked in. I'm the first one to admit that, but it is cool to see it back. And I feel like it's crazy that it's what a week week and a half away from the season starting. So yeah, Carissa, how are you? I'm good. It was such a long day. It really dragged today. I don't know why, uh, but. Just talking about preseason, I really hope next year we're able to, like, just like NBA games, just turn on TV and watch a preseason WNBA game. Yeah, I mean, that would almost certainly get me more interested. Maybe that's why I never really get into it with NBA either, because, like, I'm not in a market where, like, that's a thing. So I never have access to them. It's not like they're regularly put on League Pass or anything like that, unless it's, like, a a big story team. And I'd like to see the W do the same thing, because as we talked about last week, we're going to talk about today, there's a lot of stories actually going on, basically every team right now. So there would be something to see for sure. But um, before we get into that, I, I kind of wanted to talk, we're going to get into this, or like our next round of previews this week, but I also wanted to talk about um, the news that, that came out today. I, I don't know if it's like really news or whatever, but there's a report that the W is aiming to negotiate a new broadcast deal worth a hundred million per year. So uh that's huge. Obviously, that's like about two C two. They said it's about two years away, uh, and then I mean that's the kind of thing that could really change the league. It could be the kind of thing that incorporates some of these preseason games. It's the kind of thing that uh, obviously would raise the salaries and marketing budgets and all that stuff. Um, I, uh, Bailey, you were the one that shared this with me. What what were your thoughts on this? Like you said, that's that's definitely huge. It's very very impactful. You know, that type of money coming into the league. 
I haven't seen a lot of like of the breakdowns about it, any really specifics beyond that tweet from the gist. But considering that they're verified and other things, they seem legitimate enough to trust. And that's really awesome. I'm looking forward to see what comes with that. Yeah, I think that, like, I I read that around the same time that I read Howard's latest piece about everything going on with Brittany Griner and how that this is, it's not the way, like, I mean, it's unfortunate that has to come from something like this, but we're seeing, like, this is the moment of change for the W. We saw it already with, like, growing revenues and, and the investment before and the rising ratings and stuff like that, but it really shines a light on, um, and prioritization is the word in the CBA, but also just we're, we're looking for it to be time for the women of this league to want the WNBA to be the prioritized league, not have to go overseas to make this money. And the first way for that to really happen is for you to pay them so that they don't have to. A CBA gets ratified and gets updated and the salary figures get updated whenever you have stuff like a new TV deal. We've seen it in the other leagues, like um, the the cap boom that gets talked about with the NBA when Kevin Durant went to uh, the Golden State Warriors was because of something like this, where, the, where there's like a, a market big TV deal. So I think there's a chance that I'm not saying it's going to boom like that, obviously, but this is the kind of thing that could radically alter the salary cap. How the CBA can be, the CBA is going to be changed in 27 and isn't that when it ends technically completely it can be amended obviously after I think yeah five i also um would not be surprised if there's some sort of lockout but before, or not lockout but a strike before then because if we do see a world where and i don't want to per- project the worst especially before i kick up to carissa for for her thoughts <laughs> on, on the matter but like i just think that I think an amendment has to happen sooner or later if you're going to make, I know prioritization comes in through like the previous CBA starting next season, I believe. And they, there's been enough goodwill and ratings and, and, and momentum over the last two years. that it's just like, stop trying, stop trying to tell these women what they need to do to prioritize this league and prioritize them. And um, if there's this big landfall of money and, and it's not immediately invested into the players, I feel like there's going to be some hard feelings, but beyond me, sprinkle on the conspiracy in there carissa did, did you have any other thoughts on on the the tv deal of it all the potential tv deal of it all um yeah just everything you said it was um i agree with it's just i don't know if i would call for a strike but <laughs> but um 2027 is is far away for as much money as the w can potentially make within from now until then um just with the we've seen it just in the season where a uh, league pass went up and I don't mind paying, like, I'll pay even more if, you know, they put good quality out there and we're able to see more games behind the scenes, like, all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't have the deals in front of me, but I did think it was kind of interesting. I think it was Seattle, and I want to say there was another team that um are negotiating their, like, uh, broadcasting local, rights. Yeah, the local broadcasting rights, which is, like, that's the, that's something you see a lot for – in, in other leagues where it's like how the biggest way to get the, your games out there, but it's also like a nice little bit of like uh, local money that it's like localized to your team, but like um, they're got, they, I think they got it from either Apple or Amazon or something like that. Like these are, you're seeing big time companies start to invest in the product even more. And I, I think that's, that's extremely exciting, but 
Yeah, the storm. The storm partnered with Prime, mm-hmm. and I think I saw people talking about other ones talking, but I don't know if there's been a confirmed deal with another team. That makes sense. Might have missed it if it did, but yeah. So this would stop. Like I know when I was home, I used to try to watch the Dream Games, and it'll be blacked out. So that would potentially stop that. In theory, like if they get if they land a local TV rights or like if they so like that's I keep saying local because typically like it's a like it's your local NBC or CBS mm-hmm. or whatever affiliate. But if it goes to like this would be the first time we're actually seeing it with like a prime affiliate or something like that, because this is the first like this is the kind of thing that's been building up for all the sports leagues. And, and you're seeing it in like the NFL where Amazon and. Apple are hiring like big name like broadcasters and but this would be the first one where you're getting like an actual um RSN for each team and if if we're having this like on a streaming service that that's totally changing the game but yes in theory that would allow I mean we I we don't know everything yet because they're just kind of this is this is the first one of its kind but theoretically yes you would no longer be blacked out you got it <laughs> yeah and and I think the dream have are going to be on Valley again as well. So I don't I don't know what that deal looks like, but I think they'll be on Valley soon. So I don't have cable, so I, I typically get screwed I, out of these things. So I don't either, but I've got plenty of streams. Yeah, well, that's fair. That's fair. Um, what what else on the on the preseason and stuff like that before we get into team previews? We had three preseason games so far. Okay. The first one was the Storm and Sparks on Friday. No, Saturday. Pardon me. Saturday. Then you had the Mystics and the Dream. And then today, one day, we had the Sky and the Wings. And I don't know about y'all, I don't put a lot of stock into players having poor preseason performances, but it you know, I do take stock of people that have high-end preseason performances, mm-hmm. like Brianna Stewart putting up 20 and 22 minutes on 7 of 11 from the field. Feels very relevant to me, even though it's not against the full-strength Sparks still, along with Jewel adding 18, 6, and 3 on 6 of 12 with four threes. It's terrifying. Um, but I also wouldn't pay any attention to NECA going 0 for 3, 0 for 1, 1 for 2 from the free throw line in her six minutes, or like Lexi Brown going 0 for 7. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really, but then you look at Olivia Nelson Adota, who put up 15, 12, and 5 in 35 minutes in her first game. Like, I paid more attention. Yeah, she went off and she added two blocks. And then, like, in the other games, like, Mike Hines Allen went 2 for 12. But it's like, it's my shines out. She's going to be all right. But then I look at, like, Megan Gustafson, who had 11 and 5 on 5 of 9. Okay. Or, like, Shakira Austin having six blocks and 12 rebounds, mm. even though she only went one for three from the field. Like, those are astonishing numbers. So, you see something like that. And if you look at the dream, Ryan had 15 and 5, four of eight from the field. I see that. Then you see, like, Mo Billings go one for eight, but she had ten rebounds. Like, you know, there's a lot of things I don't really put stock into. Um, 
Or then I look at like Christy Wallace for the dream. 17 points on seven of nine. Like, because that's a player who's likely still fighting for a spot. And so that's relevant. But then, like I said, Ryan's not going anywhere, but she's starting a game. Mo Billings definitely ain't going nowhere, and she didn't have a great scoring game, but was still productive. Like, it's weird how you kind of balance. Like, I don't even look at the final score. The final score doesn't really matter. But looking over the box score, you see the differences. Like, for example, Corey, you're going to love this. You know, Enrique didn't play. I like right? it already. And Mabry and Gray combined for 40 on 14 mm. of 23, 7 of 13 from deep. And Ty Wait, Harris. That sounds like an efficient doubt. That's not possible. Ty Harris started at point guard, had the highest plus minus on the team at plus 22. Over the reigning champs, which obviously they're not the reigning champs. Like, that's not, they're not playing their whole team, but. It's relevant. It's relevant to me. It made my day. Veronica Burton had seven points, four rebounds, five assists, two steals, two blocks. Like, Oh, yes. I love that for us. Uh, Unique Thompson, eight points, ten rebounds, three blocks, two steals. Like, all of these – of, more often than not, the bench players are the ones you look at and you're like, that feels relevant. Well, especially with how tough – like, it's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks on how tough it is to make any of these teams and how limited right. the roster spots are. Like, it's important to see these players that maybe were somewhere between ninth and 15th members of the of the the training camp team actually, like, showing out to show that, yeah, I belong, whether it be here or – I mean, we've seen your girl Sabria caping hard for Natasha Mack to get another shot. And, and like, it's crazy that – like, we've already seen a couple for, uh, triple picks get waived – uh, from this season, and the draft was like two weeks ago. So, like, I don't know. And then some good news for Carissa. Emma Mieseman, 24-5-5 and five on 10-15 of 15 with two steals so and two blocks. That's so crazy. But it's kind of like what you said. It's like, okay, you know, it's good for her to be back in the league. She's going to do what she's going to do. But I need Unique to make a team. Um, She was – I mean, she did what she had to do all her years at Auburn. She needs to be on a team. Um, and then, like you said, with Billings, Mo Billings, she could have zero points, but one thing she's going to do is get a rebound, <laughs> no matter what. Corey knows. <laughs> I have my article dropping. Well, by the time this pod comes out later today, I have a whole lot of Monique Billings being an absolute problem. Yeah, she is. I – um. I really love that you brought it up, though. Like, it really, really pay attention to the bench players. You know, the people that, that need a spot. Yeah. And even though, like, she didn't shoot the ball very well, I heard a lot of talk about Dana just looking very improved, very confident. Evans? Yeah, Dana Evans. I mean, she had eight, seven, and three, but only shot two of nine from the floor. But, like, they, from what I heard, she was just moving a lot differently than she was even late last year when she looked really good in the finals. Like, Well, she's not going to have to take a lot of shots either is the thing. So, like, mm-hmm. learning how to pick her spots is, is the most important thing. And if she's looking more comfortable, that's that's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. So, just a few, you know, high notes from the preseason games. Well, let's get into season previews because we've already been here a while. And I know people like hearing our voices if, if they're listening to the pod, but – there's a lot to talk about today. We're going to do four more teams today. 
so the next next week's early pod, we do the last four. So we're still going in order of standings. So we are going to be doing the Liberty, the Dallas Wings, the Chicago Sky, and the Phoenix Mercury today. Let's get started with the Liberty. So 12 and 20 last year, which doesn't sound all that good, but it was a huge improvement from the year before. And honestly, for most of the season, they felt a lot better than that. Uh, they fell kind of backwards into the playoffs, having to have everybody else lose to get in on the last day, but they did. So we got to see a Liberty playoff game. And then what we saw in that playoff game was actually kind of what I mean whenever they felt like better than their record the whole time, right? Where they were really competitive with Phoenix. It kind of came down right to the end and, uh, they they ended up getting outlasted, but gave you some reasons to be optimistic. And then um, moving on from Walt Hopkins came, and I think everyone was a little bit surprised by that. But when you look back at the numbers, it kind of makes a little bit more sense, even if you like the vision had there. They were 10th in rebounds last season. They attempted the most three-point shots in the league. They were the most turnover-prone team and 11th in plus-minus. So, like, obviously plus-minus isn't everything, I, I am very much about roasting single game plus minus anytime I get the chance to talk to anybody about it. But I, I think that it is kind of interesting that a team that did end up making it as the eighth seed had the second worst plus minus in the league. Whenever you see teams like the fever get blown out pretty regularly and the dream being some non-competitive games last year, but the Liberty were not a comfortable playoff team by any means, but there was a lot of strides forward. And then in the off season, like things kind of just the perception of them, I feel like, was skyrocketed up a lot, whether it be bringing in Sandy Brondello or to be the new head coach or get scoring the meetings with Brianna Stewart and Joel Lloyd and bringing in Steph Dolson. I think we're more optimistic than we were even a year ago about the Liberty, but Chris, why don't you get us, why don't you start, start with us? What, what do you think about the Liberty's off season? What do you think about them going forward into this year? Um, It's kind of like what you said, like they were much better to me than their record. Like I was going for them um, rather than the Mercury. Um, and like you said, it could have went either way for that playoff game. But I don't know how Sandy fits. I, we talked about it like over the summer. I don't know. Um, I mean, over the winter, I don't know, like, if she wants to just be with like a younger team rather than Phoenix. I just don't know how that's going to work. But either way, they really can only go up. They have all the the talent. Yeah, I feel like, and and Bailey, I'll let you get into this more, but I feel like for the first time in a while, they have like, there's a lot of wing defenders on this team. There's the the potential Sabrina leap. There's, I think Steph Dolson is a passer and screener, and we talked about it in nauseam all over the offseason, but like having her and Natasha Howard be able to play, whether it be together or like different, like give you different looks against different teams, I feel like the versatility of this team is kind of going to be the real calling card, at least in my eyes. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think an underrated aspect that I'm looking forward to it, I think will be actually, I think it will move their needle is the return of Asia Durr. Because mm. Asia Durr is a hooper. I don't know how else to put it. And, you know, been out with COVID, long COVID for a long time, finally been cleared. Don't know what to expect from AD, but if AD returns anywhere close to what they left out as, that that's a, that's a really big addition for this Liberty team because Asia Durr was drafted to be the player kind of before everything. And so 
I think AD would be able to relieve pressure on Sabrina, on Benaja, and add additional kind of, I mean, explosiveness, obviously, but like in different aspects, in different ways that would really alleviate some of the Liberty struggles we saw down the end of last season. And then, as we've talked about before, I think Dolson lets everyone kind of slot back into their more natural positions, whether that's Michaela going back to the three or Benaja kind of playing a two-three hybrid type thing. And especially Natasha Howard sliding back to the four, I think will be really, really good. So I'm looking forward to what they can do. I think they have a very fascinating potential system that they could play. Don't know how well it fits what Brondello has historically done, but if they find that balance and that flow, they're going to be a scary team. And I, I don't feel bad saying I think they'll be a top probably seven team. And I don't think they fall into the playoffs backwards. I think they definitely make it in that six, seven spot pretty easily. Yeah, I think there's a chance they're probably – to me, this seems like just like a 500 team, which is not an insult. I mean, we saw that – the, if you were a 500 team last year, you were good for sixth in the league and, and comfortably in the playoffs going into the last week. So I think that that's, that's really the goal, right? We, we don't expect them to take like a demonstrative step forward, but continuing along this progression while ideally there's a, there's a step forward by Sabrina. There's Michaela even better in her second year, a little bit more DD Richards being just a problem on the defensive end of the floor. I'm excited to see what they are. Like I, I know that we've we've talked a lot about Brondella. I mean, even back going back to what in, in like group chat days where we we've even if she's a middle of the pack coach, I think that that is this is no shade at Walt because I do think he could be a, a really good coach down the line. But I think that she is a noted improvement, and I, I think this is a, an interesting step forward for the for the uh, for the Liberty. I think that they're kind of taking steps forward as an organization right now. And um, I think this time next year we'll be talking about them even higher because I think that there's a chance they are able to kind of get in, involved with. I think this this offseason was a precursor for things to come. I think this this year's about to be building on momentum, and then next year they kind of make that that real foray into free agency. New York, <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no one here to get mad at that anymore, so I can I can get on board the New York storm. Anything else to add on them before we move on, to, before we move on to our favorite team to destroy. I I'm looking forward to seeing the Liberty. I think on top of all of that, the added impact of all these players will allow Benajelani to return kind of to her normal, more efficient ways. And I think she'll also be back as one of the better defenders in the league because you won't have to exert as much effort on both ends. So I'm looking out for whatever she's going to do. Maybe she maintains that hot start she had last year and finishes in the MVP race, or maybe she finishes a little less than that, but is more consistent. I, I, I think she's probably a 20 point scorer this year, but I think it'll be a lot more efficient and it'll look a lot better than what they did with her last year. I could definitely see that. The Dallas Wings. That's the intro. Just what? the Dallas Wings. That's I all mean, we 
I feel like if there's anything that we as a group have talked about more than the Dallas Wings, I'm not even sure at this point. So what else needs to be? How else do I even need to introduce it, Bailey? I mean, 14 and 18 last year. Playoffs are bust. And uh, <laughs> they did both. I just, Incredible. I somehow they made the playoffs. They sure did. And uh, I foolishly on this podcast said that I thought that they would win a playoff game. Me yeah. too. I was wrong. Yeah. I I just whatever. It it's <laughs> I'm trying to be measured when talking about them because I think that we, we alluded this to this a lot last week, Bailey, when we were talking about team previews and how we thought that a couple of the teams we talked about last week were going to move into the playoffs. And that would require somebody to move out of the playoffs. And I just I I'm pretty down on this team coming into this year, even removing my normal down on Dallas things. Uh they we're not able to make a ton of moves during the off season. And that's mostly because they are cap strapped and they proceeded to hand out what some people will call the worst max contract in the W. I know at least one person that said that he's on the zoom and it wasn't me. And uh, I don't know, like, I, I guess Bailey, I'll, I'll stop rambling because I, I'm trying to really not, you know, talk that stuff about them. But what are your thoughts on, on what the Dallas, the, the Dallas wings did this off season? They couldn't really do a whole lot this offseason. The draft was pretty decent for them, I think, but I don't know how much of those or how many of those, pardon me, how many of those players will truly have a chance to make an impact given their general lack of roster space. It's an interesting position to be in because, like you said, they made the playoffs but, like, weren't a great playoff team where they – I don't, it's like you said, they made it and busted simultaneously. But the potential is still there. That's one thing that we can't deny, regardless of our thoughts on them. Like, Satu is one of the more fascinating young players in the league. You've still got Gold Medal Leash, who is one of the better two way players in the league. They added Tierra McCowan. Got some size, will improve their defense. We still have Izzy Harrison. You know, there's there's a lot of potential, and it's not even about developing young potential. While they do have that as well, and we haven't seen them do that, but that's a whole new story. Just looking at what's established and what's known, they've got a winning roster, I think, but I don't think they utilize it in ways that are conducive to winning how they could be. Yeah, I just – Chris, what are your thoughts on the Wings? Because I I know once I start talking about them, I'll continue rambling incoherently again. So what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree with Bailey, but to his last point, that comes down to coaching. So this year, we can talk about the Wings, what they don't, what they should do, this whole pod, even the next one. but. At this point, they just need to play, and Vicky needs to coach. And if not, she needs to to go. Yeah, yeah, that that was kind of like my biggest thing, right? Was that if they are going to be better this year, while some of it is Satu's health or Arike developing as more of a a playmaker, and like she's already developed her scoring game, but kind of developing the rest of her game would need to happen as well. But at the end of the day, it's just like. 
you have all these young players on the roster, you have to develop them. You have to actually like put some sort of coherent game plan on the floor. And for much of last season, I never felt like there was one. And I understand that's not easy, but you can't even blame the youth on that because most of the time a walk and Charlie weren't even playing. So, I mean, forget about Chelsea Dungy. I feel like Vicky Johnson has. So <laughs> it's just, and then you draft, you, you draft Burton this year, who I think we all like, and in a perfect world would be what they need, but is she going to make the team because they don't have a lot of roster spots? Even if she does, is she going to see play? I, I don't know. I, I know that there were some quotes coming out from like the first day of training camp about how Vicky was excited for the overseas development of her two young rookies and from last year. And that uh, for some people who are trying to, you know, be nice to the Dallas Wings would take that as well. That's great. Like we have, we have something to look forward to. And it, for me, as somebody who has argued on this podcast multiple times about it over last year, it just infuriated me even more because why didn't you do it last year? Because you could have seen more from them last year. And I think that getting the minutes for Charlie in a walk in a situation where if you're that dependent on making the playoffs, getting them those reps would have been huge. And we just didn't get it. And I, I think a walk could be great. Charlie was the one that started the first preseason game next to, next to Izzy. So there's something there as well. I, I still think this roster is going to be sh- shaken up at some point in some way because I, I just I don't see how much you can reasonably play. Charlie Walk, Izzy, Tara McCowan, and Kayla Thornton all together. I, I just don't think there's a reasonable minutes distribution for all of them. That's not an appropriate way to necessarily build a roster, So, which, I mean, Dallas. But I don't know. I, 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 I we talked about this last week, Bailey, where I don't know how often midseason trades happen. And so I don't know that I would necessarily expect a midseason trade of, of some major magnitude, but this roster feels like it was put together just to be torn apart. Yeah, it, it's not perfect. <laughs> it definitely needs some work. Like, so I do think there is a winning rotation here, but they've got to figure out what they're going to do about it to get it there. And part of that's going to be just freeing up some money, giving themselves some flexibility. And you talked about the big rotation being pretty crowded. And they traded for Tier McCowan, which implies that, okay, they're going forward with Tier McCowan. And Tier McCowan can be that for them. She fits their timeline fine. She's, you know, progressed in her own ways to becoming a very, very productive starting caliber center in the league. She's put in a lot of work to get there. I remember the first probably year or two of her career when she was almost unplayable, right? So that's cool. And that also gives a big body for take some pressure off Satsu, take some pressure off of Izzy, maybe help Charlie in a walk, learn, whatever. But like we say about a lot of teams, and this team is one of those teams, you got to choose a direction to go. And if they're going to keep pushing for the playoffs, then where they're at right now, talent-wise is there. But if you want to make it long-term and sustainable, they got to open up some flexibility. So I'm with you. I definitely think they need to move a few pieces around. Just don't know when or what that will look like. I know we all want to see a walk-free, but realistically like unless you package her with someone else that's not a whole lot of 
cap relief in any way. So to be fair, I actually like the pairing of a walk with uh, Tierra McCowan. I actually think that. Yeah, it's a fascinating fit. Yeah, I think that they kind of cover for each other in interesting ways. It's just that I guess another question that I have, I'll, I'll start with you, Carissa. What position is Satu if Satu is at her best? Like, what is the best way to utilize her? Because that to me is one of the most important questions for this team going forward. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we seen like what she can do in the W when she's not hurt, but also at Oregon with her and Sabrina. I mean, she was bringing up the ball sometimes. <laughs> like, she, um, you know, what's the word that she like to use? Unicorn? She's, mm-hmm. a unicorn? she's a unicorn. Like, I think she could be a three. I think that's what they need her to be with the, with the current construction of the roster, right? Because you have a ton of guards and you have a ton of bigs, but who are your small forwards on the team right now? Or not that I want to get specifically position dependent, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's where she needs to be, but I don't feel like the unicorn nature of her game is ever really going to be tapped into by Vicky Johnson. And that's what scares me. (laughs) And, And on this roster construction, if she's a building block, Right, if she if she is one of your building blocks and you put her at the three, that then throws your backcourt into a weird spot. Yep. Because do you go Marina Arike? Then what happens to Alicia Gray? Do you go Arike Alicia Gray? Then what happens to Marina? Do like it's and like you can't you can't play Sato with the four because we just said you have thirty five of those. <laughs> yeah, and also, I think to to answer your original question, uh, to go back a little bit, I can see Satu being a three or a four. Given her injury history, it may be better for her to be a three. That being said, I do think she is versatile enough to be three on offense, four on defense type of player. But to your point, Corey, you said that you don't think they can reach her potential with Vicky Johnson. Just because I feel like. Why? Well, I, I understand that logic. I think it's going to take an imaginate a, a very imaginative coach. I don't think there's actually a lot of coaches that it's not even like I, I, I posted it as a shot at Vicky. And I guess, I mean, it is, but I think it's going to take someone who is very creative overall just to, to kind of maximize that level that just the the myriad of talents that she has and yes but i also don't think she can do that playing alongside Arike. yep even i would say even more so than being under vicky johnson i think and this is obviously not going to happen anytime soon i think if you're looking at the equation of what do you do with vicky Arike, and satsu if you have those three and the only combinations there are Vicky and Arike, Vicky and Satsu, Arike and Satsu. The best combination of those three is Vicky and Satsu. Is it though? Because in my opinion, health, right? Like I, if you just, if, if, if we can take health out of it, I would agree. But as much as Satsu is by far my favorite member of that equation. And one of my, I mean, I make no secrets about it. One of my favorite players in the league. It's tough to bet on the health, right? I understand that hesitancy. I really do. 
But Satu Sabli just turned 24 years old today. Mm-hmm. I would take that chance. Fair enough. Because Fair. once again, I think if you have someone who has this injury concern, finding a way to slaughter at a three, taking a little bit of the physical toll off of that will help. And then also just trusting that she's 24 years old. You know, like you never want to see a player get injured, but getting injured early in their career is usually with the medical developments of now, like it's usually passable. You can, you can get past it. I mean, obviously that's, there's exceptions, but she hooped overseas fine this year. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I, 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 I think there's plenty enough there and obviously the wings disagree with me, but I think there's plenty of there to bet on Satu. Yeah, no, I mean, you're never going to, as much as I've, like, I've posed my concerns, you're never really going to get me to disagree with that. My ideal situation for this team would it for it to end up being uh, a walk in Satu. So that that's that's my dream. So I, I get it. Uh, I, I'll just say this. I don't know if this is really a hot take or anything. I, I hope they have their draft pick for next year. I, I don't know enough about next year's draft odds and stuff like that. But I think that this team will be closer to the dream and the fever than they will be to the playoffs. So I, I think the overall talent at the bottom of the playoff pictures has really improved. And yeah. I don't think Dallas has. I, I I can see them being probably 10. That's that's where – I mean, we'll do, we'll do our projections on standings next week, but that's where I'm leaning right now. I just – I'm not – I like Tierra McCallum. I don't think that that's enough to really change their identity for this season. Yeah. Let's move on to Carissa Chicago's Carissa, I'm not even going to go through the notes. You have the same notes that I do. I don't need to go through them. Tell us about your Chicago's guy. There's nothing to say, but, you know, I'm ready to go to the parade. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Like, um, you know, as long as anyone doesn't any serious in, uh injuries or um really that's all I can see. It's just playing together, training camp, like you said, Dana Evans is playing well, or at least finding rhythm. Um I think we'll be fine. We'll be great. Even if we go on another seven game losing streak, like you saw what that does. We'll be fine. As long as everyone's healthy, we'll be good. The confidence is overflowing. <laughs> well, Bailey, I know they're your pick. You made it pretty pretty clear on Twitter. There, you're going back to back. Is there? Are you standing by that right now? I am. I I am. I've said that. Obviously, adding Emma Meesman, incredible. Don't know how they did that. But then you also snagged Julie Alamon, and. Then you secure Kalia Copper and Vanderquigs. Once once they got honestly, even if they just got sloop back, like once they got sloop back, I was like, yeah, no, nah, it's over with. Like it's it's over with because I just see them being a nightmare matchup for every other team. I mean, and I of all the other teams at the top. I'm going to pose this question. Of all the other teams at the top, who do you think matches up best with the Chicago Sky? 
I think the storm. The storm, they they came to mind. Yeah, I think that's probably I don't I, I have trouble getting a read on what I think Vegas is actually gonna be this year. Yeah. But I think we, we saw that for the Mercury, even with the, their influx of talent, I think that's still a pretty rough matchup. Uh I don't think my son match up particularly well against the sky either. I, to, your sparks, maybe like, do we think they are on that level? Probably, I, I think they are. I, I would lean Stormer Sparks. Those are the two that I thought match like had the best potential in terms of, in my opinion, beating the sky in a series. I would, and I, I mean this as unbiasedly as possible. Like, I only think the sparks could do it. Because they're the only ones, like, I, I think the Storm have the offensive firepower to keep up, but I think that you also need to be able to bring it defensively, and I think that really only the Sparks have what it takes to, like, match up with them. I think they're, I don't know that the Sparks will necessarily be the best te- defensive team in the league this year. I, I think they have every possibility, but my, my center are very good on that end as well. But I do think that for the what they bring defensively, I think they match up the best defensively with the Sky, and I think that'll be essential. And they can get out and run with them at worst case with with Kennedy Carter. I'm kind of in opposite boat. I think the the Storm have a fine or a pretty good defensive matchup. I'm more concerned about their offense in that matchup. Interesting. Yeah, but maybe I'm just buying too much into what we saw from from Stewie and Joel in preseason. I know Stewie and Joel gonna show up. My question is, who's next? I mean, yeah, because it ain't gonna be Sue. Be so I mean, we know who it's going to be. We're gonna, it's going to be the overseas MVP, Chris's favorite player, the one that gets her to, on take cover. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah, but then who? Like, literally, like, I just, I don't, I question their depth. Well, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I just question fair. their depth. Like, Westbrook? I, mean, uh, <laughs> I saw a clip of her and Stewie. They had a connection. Yeah. I mean, y'all, y'all know, y'all know I love Ezzy. You know, I'm always I'm always been an Ezzy fan. But like outside of Stewie, Jewel, and Gabby Williams, who I do think is going to be very, very impactful. I've said that on record. Who getting a bucket here? We already seen we've already seen how Brian January plays against the sky in the playoffs. <laughs> uh that's a that's a no for me, dog. Oh, I know. It's it's gonna be Rookie of the year, Lisa Kunain. Okay, I see how this is going to. Anyways, <laughs> but no, I I just like I like their defensive potential mm-hmm. of the storm in that series because you get you have Brian January who is still very solid defensively. You've got Brian Stewart and Jewel, and then you also have again you have a Gabby Williams who I know is just gonna is gonna play super hard, and then you have some fascinating fits with like Ezzy. And Gentle Lavender, and I know Mercedes is out for the first little bit, but Mercedes Russell's still there. But like, if you throw the right matchups at, and again, I think this guy can do this. You throw the right matchups at Jewel and Stewie, or or if you just say, okay, make Jewel and Stewie beat us. Like, I I respectfully don't think they can overcome the sky in that sense. But well, I think I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know that I'm, I haven't decided on who I'm going to pick yet for my preseason pick for the title yet. I'm kind of wavering until the final day, but they're right there. I mean, it, it's not a very long conversation about the number of teams that I think can win it. And I think that trying to 
I mean, it's, it's always to some extent having to knock off the champs, but whenever the champs come back and went, cool, won another finals MVP, that it kind of takes it to another level. I, I think that everyone has to, even if, even if they're not your favorite, which I think for most people they will be, they're keeping an eye on this guy. And I think that they're going to be fascinating to watch this year. I think if we can get more of what we saw in the playoffs than we did in the regular season, obviously I think that makes for a more interesting product. And I probably will not put my foot in my mouth nearly as much as I did during last regular season. But one thing of note that I, that I have in our notes that I just think this is, like it, it kind of just encapsulates everything that like you, there was no way that even the most optimistic people, I know Carissa was always out here saying the sky, we're going to win the sky, we're going to win. But even most optimistic, you could not see this kind of transformation coming, right? They were seventh. They were the seventh rated offense and the sixth rated defense in the regular season. And they jumped up to they, their offensive rating jumped up by nearly five points. And their they their defensive rating improved by five points as well. So that's like a ten point swing for one hundred possession, possessions from the regular season to the postseason, which is just absurd. Like you don't see that. Like that's astronomical. So and they're they're, they're killer in transition. They're they're one of the most skilled teams, top to bottom, and they're they're just getting better. So you know, go sky. I am gonna miss. I'm going to miss seeing Diamond in those pregame videos they posted. Yeah, but, I mean, we all know her potential. So, if Phoenix is where she can reach that, then I'm all for it. Absolutely. We always support Diamond. But I, I just really love, like, the video. They they had the best pregame videos, in my opinion. But, all jokes. Though, and we've, Our other group chat has made a little bunch of jokes about this lately because depending on which team is talking that day, it seems like every NBA team wants to own this. But for the Chicago Sky last year, the vibes absolutely were immaculate. Just everything about it. Every uh, Like, I didn't even I, – I mean, I, I've joked enough about how little I rooted against the team or how little I rooted for the team. But you couldn't – by the end of it, even I was in love with them because just they, – they, they brought such a joy. And then the way they played was – kind of matching that so definitely a ton of fun i'm looking forward to their title defense for sure i, I still find myself randomly just hey move that out the way like just for no whatever no apparent reason like, i'm just sitting at the house like washing clothes or whatever and just in my head just pops like i don't know i love it i i love it i hope they i hope they do it again well the team they faced in the finals Funny enough, it was also a non-buy team, uh, like a double-buy team or anything like that. The Phoenix Mercury, who I think that for many people, especially if not for everything going on with the, with with uh, Russia and things like that, this team would be right there in terms of favorites for the title, I think. But you have the top two scores from a season ago and Brittany Gr- when Brittany Griner comes back, if, if and when she does, hopefully she does. And Tina Charles, Diamond DeShields added to the fold. Uh, a team that we kind of were questioning their depth from a year ago when cool, everyone that had to play like that big time role or like even like he and who got hurt in the first round. Now they're like your seventh, eighth and ninth players. I just think that Phoenix is extremely deep. I'm, this is the, I'm still debating between these, these two teams for full disclosure on who I think will be the title teams because I think Phoenix is going to be fascinating to watch. I think that, Team Charles is on a mission. We saw that last year whenever she was in the running for MVP for a team that didn't even make the playoffs because she was just an absolute bucket. And I, I think Skyler is going to be phenomenal this year. And I, I, I don't want to buy into the narrative of the tinfoil hats or anything like that, but seeing this as like the season to win it for Brittany, 
I think could be a ton of fun to watch. But I'll let Bailey you get us started on the Mercury because I'm I know I'm higher on them than most people. You're definitely higher on them than I am. I know. And it's such a precarious situation because to me, without BG, they're easier to predict. If that makes sense. I are they? To me, like, so, to so, me personally, because I was mostly just wondering, like, how do you have BG and Tina Charles at the same time? And now if you fall back to just Tina Charles and maybe Ron Turner, but that's still really that good. makes point. No, it's really good. No, I'm saying, but like I'm saying to me, they're still really like they're more easy to predict without her, at least on the court. You talk about the intangible win it for BG effect that will be present. Those type of things in sports can really flip things around for whatever reason. Like it's just there's there's a there's an impact. Call it the basketball gods. Call it whatever you want to call it. Like that there, that is a thing. There is an intangible energy to that. Um, then you got a new coach. You also add in Diamond. Got Shea Petty back. Kian Nurse back. Sophie back. They're they're there. You know, I mean they're they're there. They're right there. I. I have said on a previous pod, and I still stand by this, I think they will be a fantastic regular season team, but I do not have them as a finals favorite. To me, I think that the most important thing to that for them in their pursuit for a title, beyond everything with, with, with BG, is ending up on the opposite side of the bracket from the sky because I think that they, they are well-positioned to abuse any of the other contenders, but I, I just don't think the Sky matchup is anything that's in their favor. So they have to hope that somebody else can knock off the Sky. And obviously that's something of a fool's errand, but stranger things have happened. Carissa, what do you think about the Mercury's offseason going forward, the diamond of it all? Because I know that that's somebody obviously you have a lot of feelings for. What are, what are your thoughts about the Mercury? Yeah, I don't see them um, being in the championship game anymore or um, in the championship round. But I do think they'll be an exciting team. Um, I think they, they brought in some heavy hitters, some great role players. And I don't know if Kia Nurse will be back, maybe toward, like, the second half of the season. But um, Skylar was one of my favorite players last year. And so she's just going to continue. She gets better with age, honestly. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they'll be very exciting. But, yeah, they won't win a championship or even be in the, in the game. Yeah, and, and Corey, I just wanted to – I wanted to clarify something on my point earlier. One reason I think BG makes them a little easier to predict is that with BG, they have three of the top 25 players in career usage rate. That was something I had no idea was going to get fixed. And I hate the circumstances, but now I can a little bit more easily envision how the Tina Charles dynamic – is going to come in. And of course, DT is a little older and maybe not what she once was, but like that's number two and number seven in career usage rate in W history. <laughs> like, and we've seen how DT can be when she's either filling it or not filling it. She's going to let it fly. And then Tina, like, obviously last year was a little different because injuries and things, but like that's kind of the norm for her. Like, and then you got a new coach. Like, obviously, she's not a rookie coach. She's, you know, she's got experience. But I just, I, I have 
a ton of questions. The talent is obvious. The depth is there. The depth proved me wrong last year in the playoffs. And, you know, I, and it, you talk about the intangible energy. Like, Shea Petty has that. Shea Petty's got a little spark of magic in her anytime she touches the floor. Like, I think, I again, I think they're going to be a fantastic regular season team. Easily a top three. But I just really, even if they get a double bye, like, I'm really still very hesitant to say they're going to make it to the finals. Are the double buys still a thing? Didn't they change the rules? They did change the rules. I don't know. I, I, I've been avoiding saying any of it because I don't know what, I don't know what the rules are. And I pay attention, so. <laughs> so, yeah, I just uh, – I don't even know, man. It's just going to be – the market, like I said, they're going to be fun. They're, they're going to be a lot of fun, but also just very – they're a very unique situation coming in to it. Yeah. By the way, I mean, for the new – oh, sorry. No, please go ahead. I was going to say for the new playoff format, let's let's check out what we got. So effective with the 2022 season, I know we talked about it, but just for a refresher, three rounds of series play using best of three, best of five, best of five. So in the first round you get one and eight four and five, so on and so forth. Interesting. All the more reason why the Phoenix Mercury will not win a title. Well, agree to disagree. We'll talk more on this next <laughs> week when we do the previews. Yeah, we can absolutely agree to disagree. Well, I think that does it for this week, actually. So uh, we'll be back later in the week with, I don't know what yet. Definitely check out Bailey's interview series finished up last week. Definitely check. If you haven't listened to it yet, listen to that pod. And, uh, I have some more W articles coming out this week with film studies. Bailey is doing his YouTube series on. So you, so you want to be a fan of the WNBA. And I think that right now we have a lot of cool content going on with the site for the W. It's only going up from here. Definitely follow me on Twitter, Polytoad Hoops, Bailey at what is it, Sir Richmond? Yes. Why do I not know? You think I, I would know this off the top of my head? I don't know. It's got a twenty on the end. There's someone else that has it without the without a number. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, it's twenty on the end. And then Carissa at Carissa Ingram. If she ever returns, she said yeah, she'll be, be back bad. with the start of the season, Corey. Well, there we go. The mystery is worth the wait. Whenever we're getting back in the W season, when we're all talking a bunch of trash, so it should be fun next week like I said later this week we'll have something cool out but next week we'll finish up with all the previews and then the season is back so we'll catch you guys next week on Rebel Edition